We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land, climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward is our Lord's command, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Give the winds a mighty voice, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free, highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And now we're going to sing another good old hymn. This one is Pastor Taylor's favorite hymn. I love to tell the story. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story for some have Good to have you in the Lord's house this morning, and I hope that you love to tell the story with your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, your children. Uh, we have to tell the story, don't we? This morning we were studying in Jeremiah chapter 29 in the Bible hour, and uh, as those folks were carried into captivity for 70 years, God told them that they were going to have to re-educate the next generation so that they would call out and know the Lord. Uh, they had to teach their children to love to tell the story. It's such a great hymn. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God's blessing. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that we could come and worship you this morning. We thank you that we can have fellowship one with another, visiting in the foyer, enjoying a donut and a, a warm drink. Lord, I pray that you would help us to always lift up and glorify you. And we thank you for our church family. We look forward to the singing, the praying, the message, 
and celebrating through baptism people who have come to know you as their Savior. Lord, we thank you for all these things that you have given the church, that we might participate one with another in worship and fellowship. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated.
And as the praise team joins me on the platform, let's all stand and we're going to lift up our voices as we sing some of our praise songs. Come, people of the risen King, and then behold our God. Come, people of the risen King, who delight to bring Him praise. Come all and tune your hearts to sing to the morning star shifting shadows on the earth we will lift our eyes to him where steady arms of mercy reach to gather children
I've got a friend Closer than a brother There is no judgment Oh, how he loves me I've got a friend And he is my strength He is my portion with me in the valley, with me in the fire, with me in the storm. Let all my life testify, hallelujah, we are not alone. God really loves us. is sufficient so come if you're needing forgiveness or healing his mercy is enough oh and this is our hope the cross it is spoken death is no more Christ is the Lord oh this is our hope Savior he is what a father what a friend what a Savior he is what a father what a friend what a Savior he is what a father what a friend what a Savior he is are not alone. God really loves us. God really loves us. Hallelujah. Oh, praise my soul. God really loves us. God really loves us.
I would like you to take your Bibles, if you would please, and turn to Acts chapter 8. This morning, as I mentioned to you, we are going to be baptizing right after, right at the end of the service. It'll be part of the closing part of our service. Um, when we do the invitation time, have those folks go and get ready, and we're going to baptize right at the end of the service. But part of baptism is understanding the whole process of salvation and testifying of that salvation. And as I was contemplating that, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's a good thing to go back and just remember where all this comes from. And I wanted to take us this morning to a section of scripture that really shows us the examples of the early church. The book of Acts is a powerful book for you and I individually because it brings us back to real people's lives who were just living their daily lives. And all of a sudden, God came into their lives and it changed everything. And in your life and my life, I know that in my life, the transformation of being a young person who didn't know God, I didn't even know people who knew God. Christianity was the farthest thing from the family that I grew up in. Nobody talked about it, I knew nothing about it. But all of a sudden at 16 years old, somebody talked to me about it on the job and I came to know Christ during my summer job. It changed everything for me. And that's what the book of Acts is about. It's about the acts of the apostles. What, what transpired after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? And how did that gospel message begin to flood through the land? And how it changed lives. When we come to Acts chapter 8, we find a text that gives us wonderful examples of things that still go on around us. We find the example of somebody who's obedient to share the truth. We find an example of somebody needing to know the truth. And we find a great example of just the transformational power of salvation. So as I read this text to you, Acts chapter 8, verse 26 down, I want you to listen to this, the examples built within to the events of these people's lives. Acts chapter 8, 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I? Except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he was reading uh, was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? 
for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaks the prophet, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What would hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. As we look at this, we find great examples. And that's the simple title of my message this morning, Looking for Examples. When we read through the Bible, one of the ways that God speaks to us and teaches us is we find people who are experiencing the same things in life that we're experiencing. You know, the Bible says there is no new sin under the sun, meaning humanity is the same going all the way back to Adam and Eve, all the way today in the year 2023, we all battle the same things. And when you open your Bible and you begin to read through it, you're looking at people living their life just like you're living yours. And here, when we open this text, we find an example of an obedient individual who's simply going to share the gospel with another person in need. Look again with me at verses 26 and the very first part of verse 27. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. There was a prerequisite to Philip going, and that was that he needed to be asked. He didn't even know yet that there was an Ethiopian eunuch who was on a religious journey seeking God. But God knew. And God needed Philip to be in the right place at the right time to share the truth with this individual. But he needed to be asked. So what made Philip so unique that God would ask him? He was the deacon of the church. He was just a regular guy. He was not an apostle. He was not some incredible giant. He was just a regular guy serving the Lord in his local church. Uh, this very book, the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 5, puts him in the list of those original deacons. He needed to be somebody that was in communication with God. You know, that is ever so important for you and I. Do you start your day just asking the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do today? What door would you open for me? What path would you have me to take? Show me what you would have me to do. We need to be open, and Philip was open. We need to be in right relationship with God. You know, it's surprising how many people really don't want to hear from God because they're not in relationship with God. They're out of relationship. Maybe they received Christ, maybe they were baptized, they've walked with God, but now they're so out of tune with God, they no longer have a relationship with God. We have to be careful to maintain that relationship, don't we? Uh, every once in a while, I'll be talking to somebody who will tell me they went to like a school reunion or a company re reunion. 
And they'll talk about how amazing it was to go and, and talk to folks that they knew 30, 40, 50 years ago. And sometimes they'll say, I haven't talked to so-and-so in 40 years. And that's kind of sad, isn't it? If they were old friends that they weren't able to maintain a relationship. You and I, when it comes to God, we need to be sure that we are not guilty of ignoring the Lord. Philip was somebody who was in communication. He was in right relationship with the Lord. And he met all the qualifications that God had for somebody to go. He needed to be somebody who was willing. He needed to be somebody who had enough knowledge to be able to share his faith with somebody else. And could we raise our hand? Could we as an individual say, yes, Lord, if there is that need, yes, you could ask me. I do know how to share my faith. And if you don't this morning, then I want to challenge you. On your way out today, on those little gospel racks beside the door, is God's simple plan of salvation. Grab one of those tracks. Take it home. Read it. Make it a part of who you are. That you might be able to share God's simple plan of salvation. So that you're qualified. You're qualified to tell somebody else. The other day, we had a young man come and visit church who, who works at a, a mechanic shop. And uh, so he was sitting across the table from me and we were having tacos during the revival. And I was talking to him about his job and he was talking to me about how that the uh, A&D trained him right out of high school to be a mechanic. And he was excited about that. He loves his job. And I asked him, I said, well, do you take training classes? Yep, once in a while I go and I take training classes and get certified. And I said, and how, how are you doing at learning to prepare for electric vehicles? Because I was curious. These guys who are mechanics, I mean, our government's pushing, pushing, pushing electric cars. I have no idea. What's a mechanic going to do his whole his whole career, it's been an internal combustion engine, and all of a sudden, some guy comes up with a battery and a little electric motor. And he says, I need this repaired. So he told me, he said, well, I am, I am preparing. I am learning. I'm getting ready. And he looked at me and he says, because I know it's coming. It's important that we are prepared for the things that God is going to use us to do. Certainly, if someday I'm forced to own an electric car, I'll probably have to take it somewhere to get it repaired. And when I do, I want to go and I want to take it to somebody who has been anticipating the day I'd arrive. And it should be the same with you and I. If there's somebody who needs hope in Christ, if there's somebody struggling and, and they're looking for an answer concerning salvation and forgiveness of sin and hope of eternity, they need to find somebody who's ready to share. They're qualified to tell. And that's exactly what, that's why God chose Philip. It's just a regular guy in the church, but he was a guy who was qualified to share his faith in you and I. We need to look at that example and say, yes, I'm qualified to be obedient. And one of the most wonderful things about this text and this example we have is the fact that he simply was obedient. 
Look with me, if you would, down in, in the, the very top of verse 27. Look at what it says. And he arose and what? Went. About, about five of you saw that in there. So let's go back and try that again. He arose and he what? Went. He went. See, I love that about obedience. I love that when people don't just say it, they do it. Don't you love that? I know that Bill, he owns a construction company. And he meets with his guys and lines out the day's work. And it's all wonderful for them all to stand there and nod their heads. Yep, 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 I understand. But really, that's not what, it, that's not what Bill's objective is. He does want him to understand. He does want him to listen. But ultimately, he wants them to go and do what needs to be done. Am I wrong? As quick as possible. As quick as possible. <laughs> so you find Philip, not only is he qualified, not only is he willing, he is obedient. And that is such a critical part in our Christian lives when it comes to God. Are we not only willing, but obedient? So that when the Lord lays upon our hearts something, we like Philip, we will go ahead, arise, and go and do what God has asked us to do. That is so applicable. It's why it's such a tremendous example. It connects us directly to the Great Commission where God told us to go into the whole world and to preach the gospel to every creature. Why? So that they might come to salvation. But it's not just preaching and teaching and uh, helping others to come to salvation. It's also even in our own church attendance, isn't it? Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves, even that much more so as the day approaches, the end days. You and I, we need to not only hear it, acknowledge it, we need to do it. Same thing with our prayer life. Matthew 6, 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. He's saying to you, we need to have a consistent personal prayer life. Last night, I, I woke up in the middle of the night, and, it's, I, I, you know, at my age... You, you, you do a quick evaluation. You ask yourself, okay, is it morning already? No, it's still dark out. Do I need to go to the restroom? Yeah, probably. Go to the restroom. And then I, I lay back down and I almost inevitably spend time in prayer. Because God has woke me up in the night and now I've got to kind of get myself re-ready to go to sleep. And, and I just talk to the Lord. It's such an important part of our relationship with God. It doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the night or as you're driving the work. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, the Bible teaches us to pray without ceasing. See, that part of being an obedient person, hearing God, Having a relationship with him where you are obedient. Yes, in spreading the gospel, fulfilling the Great Commission. Yes, in attending church, so important. But also in our prayer life and Bible study. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. 
rightly dividing the word of truth. God wants us to take time to not only talk to him, but listen to him. Are you taking time to do that? Now I'm bringing you to a text where we see the example of other people living their Christian life and God using them. They are no different than you are. These are not magic people. This is not some make-believe video game. You know, we live in such a world of, of unreality that if we're not careful, we don't think anything's real. This is real. There's a guy here who God has said, I need you to do something for me. And he says, yes. And he does it. And we should too. Whether it's reading our Bible, spending time in prayer, coming to worship, spreading the gospel, we should follow the example of this simple man in the church in Jerusalem by the name of Philip, who says, yes, Lord, I will go. But we see another thing in this text that is a tremendous example in our lives. And that is that there is a genuine need. That's what God wanted Philip to understand. And that's why the Lord reached down to him at that time and told him, I need you to go. Look with me at verses 27 and 28 of our text. And he arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. So we see this great need. Here's, here's this guy all the way from Ethiopia that is 2,502 miles from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. 2,500 miles. Now, he didn't go ahead and take LL, the Israeli air, air, what do you call those things? Airline, airline. Not, that's not how he got there. He didn't go ahead and get on a bullet train and in a matter of a day go 2,500 miles. He didn't even get in an old internal combustion, world-destroying car. <laughs> and we know he certainly didn't get in one of these cutting-edge new electric ones that would have taken him a few hundred miles and recharge and a few hundred miles and recharge and a few. We know he didn't do that. But it does tell us how he got there. He got there riding in a chariot. Now, we're not talking about a motorized chariot. We're talking about guys carrying this guy in his chariot. They're walking 2,500 miles. Average distance, a steady walk, they say at that time was about eight miles a day. Eight miles a day. No, wait a minute. Let me recheck my notes. Want to be eight hours a day. They would walk about eight to ten hours a day. And it would take basically 802 hours to walk 2,500 miles. And I have no idea personally because I have never done that. 
You might ask Kim, she's probably done it a couple times, I don't know. But that is a tremendous sacrifice, isn't it? This man decided one day, and he was over the whole treasury of the Queen of Ethiopia. He decided one day, I need to know about God. I need to know about the God of Israel. I need to know about the only true and living God. And I am going to go 2,500 miles to find out. And then when he got there, he's leaving, still searching. It tells us that he's sitting in the chariot and he's reading out of the book of what? Did you catch it? Book of Isaiah, tremendous prophetic book of the Messiah. So he's reading down, and Philip, who God told him, go talk to this guy about the gospel, Philip's calling along, and he runs up to the side of the chariot. Now, to me, all, this is a miracle all by itself. Because I'm telling you right now, folks who are carried in a chariot aren't all that approachable. It's kind of like if you see a motorcade, don't run out to the car. Something's going to happen. He is a powerful government official, the head of the treasury for Ethiopia. And so here comes Philip, kind of jogging along right up beside him. And he hears him read him out of Isaiah. And nobody takes his head off or anything. They let him do this. And he says to the guy, hey, do you know who you're reading about? And the Ethiopian says, how can I without somebody to show me? Bam, open window of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And Philip says, well, let me talk to you about that because I, I know what it's about. So when we look here, we see the same exact thing that's going on around you. We see people who are in need, people who are searching. You might say, well, I don't know anybody who's gone 2,500 miles to go ahead and seek to know God. No, but you every day encounter people who are just searching. They're searching in their heart. They're struggling to know. Maybe they worship evolution. Their whole world, their whole God is the fact that they believe they're nothing but an animal. And they're having a hard time with that. Because if they're just an animal, why can't they live like an animal? Why can't they go ahead and do all the things animals do? But there's a problem. We're not animals because we have built within us a sense of morality. Your dog doesn't have that. Certainly your cat doesn't have that. They can't even come when you call them. You know, the, your raccoon that gets in your garbage can when he makes a mess all over your yard, he's not walking away thinking, boy, I feel really bad about that. <laughs> they do not have built within them the presence of the knowledge that they were made in the image of God because they're just animals. But you and I are not animals. So all around us are people who've been taught since they were little kids, you're nothing but an animal. You just evolved. But there's an internal conflict with that. 
They certainly don't want their children to live like an animal. They don't want their wife to be like an animal. And there's an internal conflict. Is there a God? Can I know God? Does he know me? This man is seeking. 2,500 mile journey. He went to Jerusalem and he's leaving without an answer. Until God helps Philip to see. There's a serious need right here. There's a man who's given it all to go. He needs to know the truth. You and I in our lives, we need to look around and understand that there are many people just like this Ethiopian. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. All around us are people who don't understand and do not know. And they need a Philip. They need somebody who is willing to have a relationship with God. They've received Christ. They're born again. They, they pray. They read. They know. And they're willing. And they'll go. The people in this world need us. This morning, you got up and you came to God's house. Why? Because either you know God or you're searching for God. And you came this morning. And God wants to meet with you. He's looking for those obedient hearts. Because there is a desperate need. Because there are people all around us just like this. The third example I want you to see in here is the example of conversion. It's powerful. It's transformational. Look with me, if you would, at verses 32 down. Because here we find Philip simply giving the truth to this Ethiopian. It tells us that the place of scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. He's reading to him out of Isaiah 53. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his gen generation? For his life is taken from the earth. It's a text talking about the Messiah. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, God the Father, come down, taking upon himself the flesh of a man, living, dying on the cross, so that he might pay for the sins of mankind. And so the Ethiopians reading this text out of Isaiah 53, and Philip says, let me tell you about this. Verse 34. And the, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, what? Jesus. Jesus. More than five got at that time. Let's do it one more time because I'm shooting for like 35. All set? Preached unto him, what? Jesus. Jesus. You and I, there's only one way. He didn't preach unto him Buddha. He didn't preach unto him one of the gods out of India. He didn't preach unto him 
the totem pole salvation. He didn't preach unto him humanism or evolution. He preached unto him one thing, Jesus. It doesn't even go into a lot of detail. He simply preached unto him Jesus. So you and I find all of a sudden that there must be power, transformational power in this one name, Jesus. Look at what takes place as we come down to verse 36. And they went on their way and they came to a certain water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What would hinder me to be baptized? And that's always interesting to me. Today we're going to do baptism. And while we had our revival, the evangelist, he, he put out to our congregation, he said, you know what, there's an order to baptism, where we go ahead and we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, and then we're baptized. If you got baptized before you received Christ, then you're out of biblical order. And a number of our folks thought to themselves, hmm, you know what, that's right. And they kind of rethought their order of baptism. Did they get saved first and then get baptized? Or did they get baptized somewhere and then get saved? Here. The eunuch says, hey, there's a body of water. How about if I just get baptized? And Philip, he knows. Something has to happen first. And what is it? Salvation. He needs Jesus. He needs Jesus before baptism. Because baptism tells the world, I have accepted the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a testimony. It testifies of the fact that we are born again. Died to the old man. Rose to the new man. So he says to the Ethiopian, he says, listen, you've got to know Jesus. And so what is, what's, what's he say? Let's, look, let's turn with me again to verse 37. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart. You remember in Romans? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For with all your heart. He says, if thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And the Ethiopian looked at him and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You and I, we find throughout the scriptures examples. Examples of people who are simply obedient to God. We find many examples of the need for people to come to God. And here we see a wonderful example of true conversion. This Ethiopian had gone to the center of Judaic religion. He'd gone to Jerusalem. He'd gone to look, to learn, and he left empty. Still seeking, searching, seeking, searching. It wasn't until a young man, a simple man, from the church was obedient to God and he introduced this Ethiopian to Jesus. And the Ethiopian eunuch looked at the Isaiah scriptures, the prophecies coming of the Messiah. 
He looked at the events of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. And he said, I believe with all my heart. Because that was the question posed to him. And you and I this morning, if you've not yet come to that place where you, with the sincerity of your heart, have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you too are just on a religious journey. You're searching no different than the Ethiopian. And until you come to that place where you put your full heart's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, until that happens, you are just putting on miles. But here we find an example of true conversion. And what does he do? It tells us in verse 38, Philip commanded the chariot, or maybe it was the Ethiopian, probably the Ethiopian commanded the chariot to be still. Because I'm sure if Philip had said, hey, stop the chariot, they'd have said, who are you? So let's assume that it was probably the, the Ethiopian. He commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. It's a very interesting thing when you read your New Testament and you come across the word baptize. Baptize is a word that's called transliterated. It means that it's not actually translated. It's transliterated. And what that means is, when they took the Greek word baptizo, instead of translating it into submerged, they listened to the voices of the people with power. And they said, let's not shake up the whole world here and say by submersion, because we're going to end up with all these religious leaders who are going to get haired out. So we'll just transliterate the word. Baptize from baptizo, but it means to submerge. So you and I still today, in just a few minutes, we're going to follow the example of submerging, baptizing, baptizo believers. It tells us that they both, did you notice? They both went down into the water. Did you see that? So I'm not going to go back here and dip out a cup of water. And I'm not going to take that cup and throw a little bit on a few folks. Because nobody's getting in the cup. And there's not enough sprinkle there for them to be covered like a man being buried. So what we're going to do is we're going to come right back here. And we're going to go, both of us, into the water. And there I'm going to baptizo. I'm going to submerge those who have received Jesus Christ as their Savior. Tremendous examples in the Bible of real people living their real life. And we are challenged. We are challenged to be a Philip. We are challenged to understand that there are people all around us, just like the Ethiopian, who are seeking and searching. And you know what? I love the example of true conversion. When people really, really get born again, as Christ called it, 
people really come to Christ, they're willing to get baptized. I've heard a million excuses why not to get baptized. Well, I don't want to, I'm afraid of water. I, you know, I don't want to, if I get baptized, my mom will be mad at me. I know she's 90 and I'm 65, but I don't want to upset her. And, you know, on and on and on. But the bottom line is, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're truly converted. You want to let the whole world know. And that's what the Ethiopian did. So they pulled over to the side, no screeching tires, maybe a few sandals sliding. They pulled over there beside the body of water. They climbed out. They both went down into the water. Now, all his servants who traveled 2,500 miles, they just saw a visual lesson on salvation. Because here's this Ethiopian who went and got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection. So every servant, every cook, every tailor on the entourage, they all learned about Jesus that day. And that's what we're going to do in just a few minutes. I appreciate so much you all coming to the Lord's house today. I know that we kind of have a good time with the dunk, with the, um, <laughs> with the donut Sunday. But uh, it's really about the reason we do it is fellowship. To just connect as a church body. But there is nothing greater than having people receive Christ and having people get baptized. Amen. It is what we're called to do as a church. Thank you for coming. Thank you for celebrating in that. Tonight we have a couple more baptisms as well. Come back tonight and celebrate with those who are going to be baptized. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Lord in heaven, I pray that you be with us as we are dismissed. Help us to go forth and be a witness and a testimony for you. Lord, help us in every way to follow the example that we find in the book of Acts chapter 8. For truly, Lord, we want to be used of you as a church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.